We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining us today is Jen Klein, head coach of the University of Michigan. And we're going to be talking about managing your environment in regards to staff. And usually we talk about the players aspect. This time we're talking about staffing, delegation, staff development, roles, responsibilities, recruitment. Jen's got brilliant insight here. You're going to love this one. Today's podcast is sponsored by Football Careers, the global football recruitment company that specializes in recruiting for colleges, clubs, universities, and private soccer academies around the world. We're really, really excited to team up with them, and we will hear from them at the halfway point with a special offer if you want some help with your resume. We've also just released a new scouting template on the Modern Soccer Coach website. If you're a coach and you're looking for a little bit of help in your scouting, we've just released a new template to work off 36 slides and a little video with a tutorial that you can edit, that you can move, that you can animate and that you can share with your players or your coaching staff. 36 slides, all able to edit on PowerPoint, available now, modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. All right, here is Jen. Enjoy. Jen, thanks so much for joining me on the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. Really, really excited to have you on. Thanks. I, I, I'm excited to be here. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and the work that you do with all your online and your books. And so uh, it's excited to, to be a member that's contributing to the conversation. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, appreciated and honoured. Thank you for your support. The, the topic today, we, we talked a little bit just before we started, it's going to be around the environment piece and managing that environment piece. And I actually spoke to a coach this morning that's doing some coach education. I know we're going to get onto that there, but he was saying that a lot of it, periodization is a big thing at the minute. And he was saying, yeah, but if you can't manage your staff around that, you, you may forget about it. I always think that's a topic today where managing your staff is almost as important as managing your players. And the first question I wanted to throw at you was when we have a, an environment per se that we want to describe uh, for the players, when you look at that from a staff member, how would you describe how you want that staff uh, to become and to feel? Yeah, I think the first word that comes to mind is collaborative, but I think to create a collaborative environment, um, in particular as a head coach, the more clarity and maybe like, I would say infrastructure that you establish, it allows for a more collaborative environment. Um, And so really trying to make sure that there's good identification of roles and responsibilities, you know, what do we want everything to look like, and then allowing for your staff to contribute and and fill in all those areas that they're responsible for yeah that that clarity obviously i've, I've seen you, your work and you've sent me some stuff and I, I i love some of the stuff you've sent me because it it is broken down with such clarity is that your type of personality as a leader like or do you would you say you specialize in that sit down map it all out make sure every box is ticked detailed in depth 
Yeah, I would say I'm a very much a process oriented person. I'm very organized. So I think from that standpoint, that's very much that just comes natural to me. It's the way I was as a student is the way I was as a player. Um, I like things to be organized and there to be a plan. Now, that's not to say that I'm, you know, um, don't leave room for spontaneity and creativity, but um, that's very much where I feel comfortable. And so it comes natural for me to create that as part of our environment here. But um, I mean, to get to the point that I am now has definitely been accumulation of, you know, all my different stops, trying to put it all together, that then it really is something that you can um, it's tangible and, and easy to be able to articulate to your staff so then they know exactly what you're looking for and, and what they need to do. Yeah, let, let's get into that because sometimes it's almost like opposites attract with number twos and number threes. Um, and then sometimes you can go with an opposite and it can be an absolute disaster. When you're going through that that process of here's what I need, when in your coaching journey did you kind of start to think through, right, when I become a head coach, I'm going to need to, to feed off this type of personality or this type of skill set? Or did you learn as it went on? Was it trial and error? Or when did it become kind of really deliberate? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I got an opportunity to be a head coach prior to this um, when I was at UNLV and I was very, very young. And I think that's the part that um, I realized, it, realized I didn't know as much about is that, you know, the, the, the leadership piece and managing your staff and not just your like assistants, but then you have athletic trainer strength and conditioning. You, you're managing up because you have your um, administrators and so that was a part like, whoa, I, I got to figure this out. And, um, you know, I think where I started to really kind of come together of what I wanted it to look like was actually when I went back to being an assistant coach and um, very fortunate to work for uh, head coach um, Kadani McAlpine, who I thought did a really good job of creating a culture of collaboration and managing um, a staff. And so that's where I started to think through, okay, what works well for him? What, you know, what did, what is he like? And then what am I like? What's the other assistant like? And then when I get my opportunity to be a head coach, I want to put something that replicates that environment. Delegation then obviously is a, is a big, big part of that there. And like something, oh, Jen, I, I was awful at delegation, really, really poor at that clarity aspect that you talked about. It was like, all right, need some people to do that there. Like, how do you work through dele- not only the process of who do, who does what, but then also like hands off to give them freedom, but then also making sure there's quality control on top of that? Yeah. So one, identifying who's responsible for what, you know, I think, you know, ultimately as head coaches, it's all under us, but we can't do everything. And so recognizing for you as a head coach, what are you really good at? and trying to keep those things and then everything else just really delegating out. Um, and so when you have good, like who's doing what, I think that makes it easier, but delegation is always hard, right? Like us as coaches, like we like to have control. We want to make sure that it's done in a particular way or, but we have to, we have to find our ways to give up that control and allow for our staff to take ownership of it. And, um, so as hard as that is, it's also as I've been in the role longer, it's becoming easier. And I think the more clarity you provide on the front end, I think you create that better framework to get what you want on the back end. 
And I think where we struggle at times is that um, we're not always very clear on the front end and then they go and then it's like you're kind of having to micromanage, if you will, throughout the project because you're not quite giving them maybe the the information at the at the beginning. And then also it's the same of getting your assistants to ask good questions to get what you want. I think sometimes they just go, okay, great. And they go without really having full clarity in their mind of what we're, what we're truly wanting as head coaches. And so the better they can ask questions, I think the more you can um, have that good initial brainstorm to then get to the final product. But delegation is always, it, it, it's an interesting thing. The better you can be at delegating, I think the more you open yourself up to doing what you're really good at. It's some, I asked my assistants actually before this, I was like, Hey, I, how I said, I think I'm good, but I want to make sure. And they were both like, no, you're good. So I do have confirmation that it's a, I do a good job at delegation. We we don't fact check on the water. Yeah. So we're, we're all good. Um, what I was thinking just when you're saying, I think what, what made me such a bad delegator was I was taking all the fun jobs. So I would take, the coaching and, and the on the and delegate meals and when you're coming into the spring now how much do you break down delegation going back to that kind of first question is it uh, roles responsibility are they clear on a daily basis practice basis how deep does that go yeah I think it's it's in every aspect that we do I think the other cool part about like we're in the off season and you know, this is our time of development. And I think what we forget is it's not only development of the players, but it's development of our staff. And, you know, I, this is a real exciting time for me because um, I just uh, right before our fall season um, hired a whole new staff. And so we didn't really get a time to kind of work together. We had to do it while we were in performance time. And, and so now, and, and in that sometimes because you're in that quick performance, having to win games, you know, some of that delegation is might you might be a little bit more hesitant because you're kind of in this like real pressure situation where now we're not. And so I can say to one assistant, hey, this is what I want you to take this run with it. Let's kind of go through it together or see what come up with something and then let's kind of work on it. So I think for us in particular in the college setting, development time is a great time to um, experiment with new roles, responsibilities giving your assistants different things to do and see how it goes because it's a time where you can, can work on it as opposed to the fall when, you know, you're chasing games each weekend. You mentioned before there about, about when you were a head coach at UNLV, then you came out as an assistant, went back into head coaching role. How upfront are you with, or are your staff about their kind of goals as head coach like do they want to be head coaches is that something that you factor in or yeah I think that's something that it's the same as our players right when you come in you kind of want to know what's their expert you know what do they want beyond their time at your institution because then that's how you build their their plan um and it's the same with staff like what are they you know what do they want out of this experience how is this experience going to help them for the next step and and so asking them, like, do you want to be a head coach? Do you just want to be a good assistant? Whatever that may be, because then you can help. It also gives you an idea of roles that you want to give certain assistant coaches, because then if they want that head seat, you know, you got to give them experience in scheduling. You got to give them a touch of what a budget looks like. So then I think that helps give clarity of how you divvy up who's doing what. Processes, a couple of, couple of questions around that there. 
half time is something that I'm I'm fascinated with in terms of coaches and programs like yourselves that have a that have a staff and and everything flows between the four, five six how many minutes it is between that whistle goes and you stand in front of your players and talk what does that look like and and who does what yeah, so, you know, one of our assistants is in charge of the scout of the opponent. Um, so they're really um, looking more at the opponent. Um, myself, because I am more the primary of coming up with the, how we're going to play, that's kind of my vision. The other assistant is looking at maybe more details within it, set pieces, those types of things. And every halftime slightly different because it also depends on how the game's going, right? When things are going well, it's like halftime seems so smooth. When it's like you're under it and you're trying to solve it, maybe we'll seem more frantic. But I always ask, you know, what, did you, what do you guys see? Um, and, and they each kind of give, you know, their part based off of their roles and responsibilities. And then it's like, okay, I'll kind of say what I need to say come up with so this is what we're gonna all dictate at halftime do we need anything else all right make sure that you get with the backs you get with those players because you can't say it all at halftime no matter how fast I, I talk um, you can't get it all in and then we always try to come up with visually how we're going to show that I think our players they're very visual and just talking I think they can't always catch everything so whether we show a, a, a clip because we have that technology that we can utilize that or a picture or use the tactics board. That's then what we work through is how, what's the picture we're going to show to help them understand what we want. But this is an area that I'm always trying to be more efficient. It's such a short period of time. You don't want to overwhelm them. And it's the combination of do they need tactics or do they need you know, kind of um, more the emotion, energy, and at times calmness. So it's like you're trying to figure out what do they need to maybe de-escalate what just happened in the first half or escalate, but then also what tactical information. So I think it, it's trying to find that right balance between what the team needs to be ready for the second half. But the more work I think you can do in that first half, then it makes halftime, you know, um, a lot smoother. Mm. That's really interesting on the on the visuals. Just deciding how that's that's really good. That because then you're thinking about how the information is going to land, right? Not just how it's going to be thrown out at them. Right. Have you been working on that kind of for a few years? That's something you've got through with the players as well. Have you taken? Some yeah, feed- like feedback and mm. and w- what's helpful and. You know, it, it got to the point where sometimes it was like if you'd be like talking to, especially you're about to make a, a change and you would be talking to them and, and you could see and it's like, okay, they don't. So then we started putting a tactics board like right on the bench. So then as you're going in, we'd have the lineup and we say, okay, this is how we're going to change it. These are the spaces. And their feedback was I, it was much easier for me to understand what you wanted when I could visually see it as opposed to you just telling me. So that was just getting feedback from the players of how do they better best learn um, and better understand what you're communicating. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, final whistle goes, same thing, but let's go now 12 or, or, or however long it is until you're having that kind of initial post-game meeting with them. 
who's doing what? Yeah. You know, there's always like right after the game, I think you have your initial reactions um, and, and initial conversations, but then it's like, okay, let's, let's take ourselves away from, from the, whatever the initial reaction may be, whether it's excitement because of you just won or disappointment because you just lost. So then it's like, okay, you know, who's, who's watching us, who's, watching the next opponent. And for me, it really depends where, where we're at in the week. Um, I'll start the game after Sunday. I feel like there's more time for me to watch our team, you know, our, our game that we just finished and the opponent. But when we play this game on Thursday and then you're trying to get to the game Sunday, sometimes I can't always get to our game review because there's just not enough time with everything else. So then I have to rely on my staff to do more of that game review because we're prep. I'm having to more focus on the next opponent. And it also depends the similarities of the two opponents. If they're very similar, then it might make more sense for me to watch the game that we just played because I can pull more things to help us for the next. But if they're drastically different, it's like I will watch it, but I might have to watch it the, the, the next Monday when we have more time, but everybody is kind of have, has different responsibilities as far as people that are watching more, like watching more for team. And then also trying to get watching a, a coach that's more specific on individual players, because then we're, we're also trying to help those individual players in their development. Um, so they're each kind of watching for various reasons. Hello coaches, we'll take a quick break here. Today's podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Football Careers, global football recruitment company that specialises in recruiting for clubs, colleges, university, and private soccer academies around the world. In addition to their specialist recruitment services, they also support candidates at all levels of the game with professionally designed football resumes. I recently had mine created by them and the professionalism and the design really, really impressed me. They also support candidates in coaching philosophy brochures, PowerPoint presentations and interview coaching for all your application and interview needs. They've worked with the FAI, the FAW, coach education departments, the LMA, the English PFA, some of the high profile clients that use their services. They have been kind enough to offer Modern Soccer Coach podcast listeners 20% discount on their marketing products using the code MSC20, MSC20 at checkout. Check them out now, footballcareers.com. Use the code MSC20, get your 20% off. They are fantastic. They are brilliant. And we really appreciate their support. What about that pregame? Say on a, yeah, on both kind of, is there a, is there a, an aspect of the week that you, almost do this here and back off slightly and, and if, whether that's to empower an assistant or just to save your energy or whatever it is is there are there times where you deliberately back out of any processes in the week yeah I think um you know depending on what it is or where my focus is and you know as, as head coaches we get stuff that we just have to do because that's the obligation of this of the title and you just have to say hey I'm not gonna be able to get to this can you please you know, take care of this this week. And um, whether it's the video, like, Hey, you know, we're going to do film review on Tuesday. Um, you know, we discussed that uh, we weren't very good within our defending in the box, pull a couple clips, 
Um, you know, if we have time to meet in person, we'll go over them. If not, just shoot, put a playlist together via huddle. I'll take a look at it. I can send notes back to them like, Hey, this clip was great. Really like this. And then, all right, you run it for the session. So, um, definitely times that, you know, I'm not able to do it. So it's, that's a great time to empower your staff to do it. Recruitment, obviously massive, massive part of all college soccer. I learned when I went to Cincinnati from Division Two and I worked with Neil and, and Nate, I learned like there's a drastic difference in recruiting for other people than recruiting for yourself. So at the level that you're at, let's say 24-year-old coach with, with a couple of years' experience, you know, now working at your level coming in, what, how do you teach or communicate or what do you communicate for that talent identification piece for making sure that, you know, that those players are, are getting watched? Yeah, I think, you know, as you start to look and I think back to, you know, when I started the job and recruiting, it's really easy to pick the best talent. It just is. They, it, everybody always is like, oh, they're the best. But I think to become a really good recruiter is to identify what's the right talent for where you're at. And as an assistant coach, you're recruiting for the, like the head coach or the program's game model and, you know, the player profiles that fit that program. And, you know, in college, it can't just be strictly um, what they do as a soccer player. You also have to bring in, okay, what are you, how are you academically? What are you like socially? Where are you, you know, in the country? Because all those things play into the player profile that you have to really recruit towards because you can get this unbelievable talent, but, you know, like for, uh, for instance, us at Michigan, we're a very highly academic institution. And, if they can't ham- handle the academic rigor, it's going to impact their performance on the field. So you have to you have to understand of what type of for us student athlete is going to be really successful within your environment. Um, but then also knowing when you need to step outside, maybe your normal profile that's going to help you. And I think that's sometimes as an assistant of you know where do you bring in that little bit of change that's been very different from what I like but still is going to thrive in, in the environment that you're creating. But to me, it's about understanding what's the right fit versus what's the, you know, the best player. Interesting. Because every part of – there's a risk involved in any part of recruitment at every level of the game for it to pan out. But that's interesting when you're talking about academically. Like, knowing the demands at Michigan, or how much risk do you take academically for a player, do you think? Yeah, I think – when you are going to take risk, you really got to do your homework to know, okay, why, why, why are their grades the way that they are? Do they, because there's times where there's, there's circumstances that give reason as to why they're not a bad student. It's just, they had, you know, some things that happened that kind of impacted their grades, but you really have to get that understanding. Um, Or you just know that they're going to put the work into, to, to be okay. Right. And so if you're not going to get that, then it, it's it it's too it's too much of a becomes a distraction from what they love, and then you're not even going to get the best version of them as a player. So it's really you got to when you do take a risk, you got to know okay, here's why they'll they'll handle, and then really put good support around them 
So that way they, they feel like I got people here that can help me do it. Mm. All right. Here's my favorite question. You're sitting in, I can only imagine you're sitting in a recruitment meeting. Player comes in with two parents, nicest people. And everyone's on their best behavior. Everyone's being nice to each other. Everyone's exuding every aspect of their character that they want. How do you find out what they're really like? Yeah, Honestly, you get the player with our players. I like, I, I always say like our players are the truth tellers. Mm. I think that our players tell the truth about us, but I also think when the players are removed, from, like the recruit is removed from their parents removed from us coaches, their guard goes down a little bit and you start to, you know, see, and they're just hanging out and they're outside. I think that's one. I think one, like you got to talk to their coaches, but also it's always great to talk to opposing coaches, right? Like someone that's played plays against, you know, what they all play against the same clubs in their conference and thing. And you just call up and you're like, Hey, you guys play this team a lot. Do you, what do you tell me about, you know, number so-and-so on that team? And they can tell you like, cause they play them so much. And so I think that's an unutilized resource of calling who they play against to know. Um, and then I do think, watching them in the non soccer moments, like they get subbed. What's their body language? How do they come over to the bench? Like, are they ones that, you know, sulk and are upset and kind of throwing a fit or they get over, they give their high five, they sit down, you know, they, they're still, you know, kind of cheering, watch them when the game's over and they go over into the parking lot with their, their friends and their families. I think those two are moments that you can, get a, a snippet. And then if something happens, maybe that you kind of question, just ask them like, Hey, I, you know, I saw after the game, you seemed really upset, you know, what was going on and, and just seeing what their response is. But yeah, I think um, it's hard to tell, but try to do as much of our research as possible. Mm, very interesting. Yeah. That's, that's a great one on the, on asking the players. Uh, that's really good. Uh, so they would, you, you would wait till the visit's finished and kind of next day get a bit of a vibe from them. Yeah. Oh, our players, they, and now they're like, Hey, you never gave me, I never get a recruit. I never get to, yeah. it's like, okay, I'll get your, I'll get your recruit. Like they take real pride of the, they're the ones that are helping get to know the recruits and get good vibe. And the other thing too, is our players do a good job of going over and, and talking to the parents while the player is over with another, um, group of uh, of the girls and their vibe too of the parents is always really interesting that they're like oh they, they ask some they'd always be like oh they ask some very interesting questions it's like okay what kind of questions then you start to go so utilizing our athletes i think is a is a huge uh, help in that brilliant um let's say you've got a let's say you know you're trying to get to know the player and and you're trying to break down those walls that automatically come up Let's say the the parent is is almost you know screening everything. And is there a point where you say to the parent, "Listen, I want to get to know your your daughter a bit better"? Or yeah. So this has been you know it's, it's kind of one. I I do think we have to set what I would say boundaries. But and the other thing that I've started to come to more clarity is that our parents are going to be part of the program no matter what. And we want them to be part of the program, but how they're part of the program, I think we need to, as coaches, 
establish that role. Now, they're part of the program, but they're not part of the team and they're not part of the roster. And I think we have to establish that. So creating those boundaries of, hey, like you're part of the process. I know you're you're probably really helping the decision um, and guiding it in these areas. But we also have to start to create a relationship with your daughter and here's how we're going to look to do it. Um, and here's how we're going to include you in the process. And the same thing then once they arrive. And this is something that I'm starting to realize more. It's like, you know, we, we want them a part of it, but then we don't want them a part of it. And then sometimes I think by pushing them away, you know, it creates different, um, I don't know, conflicts or, or distance, but now finding ways, how do we include them, identify and establish those roles and responsibilities as a, as a parent in our program and how they can best help their, their daughter succeed um, at your school. Yeah, this is interesting. I'm going off on a tie. I don't care. I'm going off on a tie. But well, clarity is great, on, but it's also can be communicated as being short, and some people need that, but they, they definitely don't want it. I'm guessing, and you don't have to say when, and even what school it was, but I'm guessing you've had, you've definitely got the phone call or the email from the parent about something about the game, playing time, role, whatever. Uh, how have you managed that or how would you recommend coaches manage that? Yeah, I, th- I think a big part is probably a lot of the times they're doing it without their daughter even knowing. Um, mm. And I think, you know, trying to understand that, like it is um, – I always put back, you know, thank you so much for the feedback. Um, I'd be more than happy to have, you know, if, if it's about playing time or things like that, I think, Hey, this is a conversation I think I should, that I should have with your daughter. And if you, you know, we can, I would encourage her to come in. And if you would like to do that, that'd be great. But then there's some other parts that like, maybe you have to like, just have that phone call, but um, it's always, it's always a challenge. Right. And you know, what they're used to getting from their club environment. And then they come into the college environment and we're having to teach them just as much as we're teaching our players. And yeah, I mean, you're even seeing it at the the senior level, right? Like we're getting exposure to what's happening with our men's national team. And that is kind of a, a snapshot of what all the club coaches are dealing with, all the college coaches. So I think we have to re-teach ourselves about how best to be a parent in your program to help their their daughter or their sons be successful. It's changed. Like, and, and since I was a college coach, the portals come in. So now that, that, that aspect that you're talking about is now time sensitive because if that, doesn't get solved then that parent may nudge the, the player to go in that direction how much have you seen parents or that whole dynamic of that come in with the portal has it changed a lot yeah I think the portal makes it you know easy that if they feel they're unhappy or they're not getting quite what they wanted out of their experience there's a quick way to make a change but I do think that at times it might not be the the fix that's needed to really help them grow and develop, but it's now there. Right. And um, so if they're, they're unhappy, they can make that change really, really quick, but there are, you know, you make that decision, you go in the portal, there are consequences to those decisions, right? Like um, as far as, you know, coaches can say, all right, you're in the portal. 
we can take your aid. We got to go fine. So yeah, it's created a different dynamic. Um, but I think it's all about, you know, as a coach, how you view and your philosophy around the portal and how you, you, you manage your players. I, I think everybody it's, you got to find what's right for you and your program um, and, and take advantage of it as, as you see fit. So mm. it definitely makes the situation, I guess, complicated, but at the same time, they have more options if they are unhappy with the environment that they're in. Yeah, I just feel that's that's a real shame in a large part because, like, I was unhappy as a freshman, and but part of dealing with that and persevering and all those great words that you learn are that you come out of it with a bit more perspective and even from you see the bigger picture. Sure, yeah, and yeah. I think that that's sometimes where you know us as coaches, like we believe in and and a part of what we do is about development. I mean, that's it. And we talk a lot about that development takes time and everybody's um, path of development is completely different. And how one player develops versus another player develops is is different. And so we talk a lot about development within our program. So when someone comes in, you got to start to just ask those questions and 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 help them understand and learn that no matter whether you come to, you choose to stay or you go somewhere else, some of those things aren't going to be fixed because of a transfer. Like that's just the part of growth and being more focused on the process. But, you know, at the end of the day, they, they, they're going to make those decisions. And, you know, hopefully at some point they can, they figure out that lesson of, you know, um, you're not always going to get it as quickly as you want it. And sometimes yeah. you got to have that patience to go through the highs and lows of, of a college career or a pro career, whatever it may be. Hello coaches. We take our last break of the podcast. If you're interested in our pro scouting template, please check it out now. Modernsoccercoach.com, an editable and professional scouting template that you can build and customize for your analysis and effectively present it to your staff and your players. The scouting layout will help guide you towards maximizing your organization and your communication. You can change the pitches, the players, the colors to suit and customize your report. You can also add data, video insights and contextualize it even more. The MSC scouting template also includes a short video that explains the layout and editing capabilities presents ideas around building your report and allows you to maximize your time effectively. Coaches can easily modify the current template to suit their report and have it ready for the presentation to impact their audience right away. Check it out now, modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. You talked just there about patience and, and obviously, like again, it's something that's unique with college. Coaching is the volunteer position. Some people put that in different ways and I've seen coaches work where it's like they're, they're very tough on the hours and demands of a volunteer coach because they see that as the apprenticeship to being a full-time coach other people are really flexible with it I mean what kind of how do you view that role how do you manage that role at Michigan yeah I mean I think the, the volunteer position is is an excellent opportunity to get somebody um in a position to have access to what we do um and I think you know, it's for us here at Michigan, it's, it's been somebody that's wanted to get into the collegiate game and um, come in and be exposed and learn. And so for me, I approach it as 
you can be at as much or as little as your schedule allows. If you're able to be here for everything, we'll include you in everything. But if you have, you know, other obligations, things that maybe pay the bills or other stuff, you, you have to go do those things. So I think really understanding what that volunteer wants out of the role um, and, and kind of curating it to meet their needs. Um, but I also think, and I challenge this challenge, my staff is that, you know, we have to have harmony within this position. You know, there's going to be times where we're like maxed out, we're doing, you know, long hours, but then there's times where we don't have to do that. And we need to go do other things in our life, take a vacation, spend time with your family, like just kind of unplug, unwind, create that space for creativity, right? Like sometimes to come up with a new idea, you just got to go and, and just sit. And sometimes we forget that. And we're just in this grind and you're in the kind of the hamster wheel, just going, 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 not getting anywhere. So, you know, I even tell that with my staff, like we, the times we can get away and unplug and just give space for thought and whatever, we got to do that. And I think that's the same with the, with the volunteer position, like come in and learn, but at the same time, like you don't need to just sit in here to sit in here. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. you can go do other things that maybe will be beneficial to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful. A lot of people are like, yeah, that sitting here to sit in here is almost a lot of college coaches that spend 6am to 8pm and sacrifice a lot. And they're, they're, they are on that hamster wheel and you can see that it, it eats away family and eats away creativity and eats away relationships. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think like you got to find your space where you, you get thoughts and you know, some people it's running, some people it's meditation, some people it's, you know, you, whatever it may be, but you got to, as coaches. And I think coaching is a creative field. Sometimes we forget that we're create whether it's, you know, creating how you want to play or, um, creating your, your culture, we need space to, to be creative and, and, uh, innovative and come up with ideas. And you, you see something and you're like, Oh, I really like that. But then it's, you can't just, you know, blanket, put it into your program. You got to think, okay, how does this fit into what I do? How can I tweak it to make it really match my style of play? So it just takes a little time, quiet time of just thinking through those things. Brilliant. Um, last few for you here. Feedback for coaches. You've had a nice blend in this in this conversation where you've got the piece of structure and organization, and then you've like, all right, there's time that you spend away and getting your. How do you manage then? You know, giving that coach that information on their own journey or development. Yeah, I think you got to have a combination of like formal, probably spaces where you you know and probably depending on like where you're at, you might be mandated to do that because that's what they your university tells you to do that. So I think, um, you know, having those formal times where you come in and, and you give them their performance review. But then I, I also think it's the same as how you manage your players and, and they want feedback. And I think don't have your feedback always be something critical, but give them feedback when they also do something really well or they contribute. That was a great idea. I didn't even think of that. Um, I always ask the question after practice of, Hey, what do we think? Did we like that flow? Would you have changed something? Giving space to ask questions for them to go. And then you can kind of give some feedback and, um, but I, I try to do it, you know, informally, formally, but I also try to make sure that 
when they come up and do something really good to give them that feedback as well of, Hey, that was, that was awesome. Like really way to step up and like get that idea. I didn't even, you know, think of that. So then you start to empower them in in those ways as well. But um, you know, the feedback loops, I think it's always an area that I'm trying to improve, not just with the players, but with the staff and, you know, asking questions. I, I think that's another way um, when we ask questions as the head coach and we show that we're receptive to feedback, I think when we give feedback to our assistants, it's kind of like, oh, okay, this is how this process is. When we don't care to ask questions or to receive their feedback, then I think sometimes that dynamic of giving and receiving is a little bit harsher, right? Um, so it's always an area for me I, I want to uh, improve. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, we've got a, a sponsorship with football careers. So looking at, you mentioned there about going through the process of a new staff, similar to the players then, uh, and I'm sure whenever you post a position, you're getting two, 3,000 people looking to work there. How do you find out a staff member's personality and, and character? So I think the first thing is always like, you know, you're about to have a change. It's like, who do I know? Who do I already have relationships with? Who have I, you know, out recruiting or you've, you know, you've crossed paths in different ways. And I think that's where I always start. And then who do I know that knows people that knows me? And I I think that that's a good starting point because that's how you can kind of get an idea. And then it's, you got to go through the process and ask a lot of questions and then of course, you ask the references, but then ask the non-references. You know, people like we're all social, our connections, and it's just our world is really small. So you're going to know somebody that knows somebody that can really give you the the answers that you're looking for. Um, and so that's kind of like maybe my starting point is is first off, who do I know? And then if that that doesn't work, who do I know that knows somebody? And then kind of go from there. But that's what I have found to be pretty helpful in trying to, to find at least that initial pool. And then you go through and, you know, part of it is what, what left of my staff, like what skill sets leaving, what do I need to bring in? And then maybe you're evaluating your staff of what's something new that you didn't even think of that you can now bring into your program to, to help you. So um, yeah, it's always Hiring is always fun. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's a process. What a process. Whenever you're going through then, uh, a coach at the other end of the ladder then that doesn't have those connections and networks, let's say it's a 23, 24-year-old GA type coach coming from a maybe a background of Division 2, II, Division 3, recommendations, advice on growing that and yeah. getting that reputation? You know, my, like, I'm thinking back, like my network and everything started because one coaching courses, I think that's an unbelievable space to meet coaches and they're, you're, you're kind of learning and going through together. So they get a chance to see how you, how you go about your work. How are you like on the field? Um, so I think that's a great spot. I think, you know, going out and working, you know, different club, uh, ODP. I met so many people through ODP and I know it, it's changed. Um, camps, that's another place I think. Um, and then when you get into spaces, you know, just talking with people and, and getting to, to know people and, um, just kind of work in that network. And, and then when you find good connections, like keep that connection going, like just a, a random reach out, Hey, you know, just haven't connected in a while. How are things? Followed your career. Looks good. Those types of things. But 
Um, for me, how my network built is really just, I was out there coaching, kind of doing a little bit of everything. And um, people got to see my work and how much I was working, how hard I was working. And I think started to build that, that reputation. And um, so that's, you know, that's it. Coaching education, last, last one for you. I said at the start that it's a, it's a lot about almost being a head coach in terms of, well, the theory-based work is a lot of being a head coach, but a lot of when you go into assistant positions and environments, it's about managing and, and communicating and collaborating and all these great things. Where do you think the biggest gap is in coach education? What would you like to see added a little bit more emphasis on? You know, one, I think so much, no matter what level, I think what is coming out of so much stuff now is it's, it, it, you have to be competent and knowledgeable about the X's and O's. I, I just think for, to progress through, like you always, you got to have that knowledge and, and continue to grow that aspect of your craft. But I do think it's, um, you know, the management of people and how, how do you properly create the environment that you're looking to create at whatever level. Um, but I think in particular, like with assistance is, you know, a lot of these coaches courses, it's about developing your own thing. But as an assistant, you're really executing what your boss wants. Like, yes, you contribute, but like the coach may, the head coach may say, I need, we're not good at, you know, um, transitioning, uh, at this area of the field through this, put something together. So I, I think as an assistant, like your job is, is to to execute what your head coach wants and how do you best do that while still developing your craft um so i think that that's always interesting right like you're you're executing someone else's vision not necessarily yours and i think most coaching courses it's like developing your thing as opposed to someone else's do you know what's really interesting? Gary Lewis was on here like about three or four years ago and said the exact same thing about the why am I developing my philosophy when I'm going to have to go in and execute someone else's philosophy? Why don't we talk more about that? And it's such an important part that because if you go in with your game model and all this great graphics that we all have today and you're working with someone that you're like, ah, oh, I don't really, that's going to then, that's going right. to creates friction right and and it's the same right now like so much of our game and sport is moving into like analytics Mm -hmm. but like to get the i think the most out of your analytics and maximize is that it has to be within the head coach's game model if an analyst comes in with their own game model and their analysis is based off of how they look at the game it's not going to maximize or optimize the team stuff. So you, you have to go, okay, how do I best understand what the head coach wants? What's the vision? What's the game model? How do they want to play? And then let me build my, the KPIs that are going to match that. So then it, it kind of all flows. And I think everyone's coming in with their own way of, well, this is how I see the game. And it's, you want that from your, your staff because you always, you don't want to have blind spots. So you want them to help you see maybe, where you're not seen, but at the end of the day, it all needs to kind of be together. Mm. And I think sometimes we, we miss that. Yeah. And that's what experience kind of teaches you is that, hey, listen, 
you know, if it was that easy, we'd have done it three years ago. Right, right, right. So, yeah, but it's it, it's finding that you want you want a staff that's going to, again, challenge you in in ways, but at the end of the day, it all still flows into your vision and your your thing. So I think, you know, as a head coach and managing staff, the more clarity that you can provide, I think the easier it is for everyone to be on the same page. And then it, it gives them their space to know where they can contribute and, and add their bits of innovation and creativity and, and insight. And, um, but if there's no clarity, it, it gets all murky and hard to find your way through. Jen's hot class. A great way to finish it, the science and the art combining. Right. I, I feel like everyone's like, oh, if it was just this, it'd be so easy. But it's it so isn't. It's like he, we got to have like degrees in like so many different areas. Um, but that's why I think a staff's so important. Like you find out, OK, I don't I don't have this. I need that. And I know I need this. You go get that. And I think that the end of the day, the people that can let go. Have control, but not have control all at the same time are probably the ones that are most successful. Jen, thank you so much for jumping You're welcome. on. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Brilliant. We'll have to, uh, we'll get you on for number two. We'll have to get into the analytics and whatever. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, that's always an area I think the game is growing so much in and, it, and it, it's how do you incorporate it? Like, you, cause I mean, as you know, you can get so in the weeds with it. So it's like, you gotta, what, what can you use and how do you use it? But it definitely is, another area that I enjoy dabbling in. Brilliant. Brilliant. Hey, great to catch up. Thank you yes. so much. Uh, awesome. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernin on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.